If you are longtime Tallahassee or if you're a newcomer to the area, we've got a great show for you today, featuring some of the music of our region with this remarkable 15-year-old Katie Hill. Fiddler she is, highly accomplished, award-winning. Then we've got with us Michelle Hearn talking about the Havana History Museum, so stay with me. Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny, brought to you by Widden Glass, Tallahassee's first name in glass for your home or office, and by Merry Maids. Call Merry Maids. Relax. And it's done. In 1945, Jack Whitten started a glass company in Tallahassee. Now over 75 years and three generations later, it's still working every day, doing just as Jack wanted, giving his customers real solutions for replacing window glass, providing custom-cut mirrors, and supplying superior bath and shower enclosures. Local building contractors know Whitten Glass takes care of Tallahassee business. They prefer Whitten because of their precision and mastery of eye-catching storefront glass and countertop glass. It's a fact. When you choose Wooden Glass, you're working with real glass people who will take care of you to your complete satisfaction. It's what Jack Wooden wanted, and it's been the Wooden way of doing business for over 75 years. Wooden Glass, Tallahassee's first family in glass since 1945. Call Wooden Glass today or visit them online at 222 5781 or com. We are taking a deep dive into uh, Florida, North Florida history especially, uh, and more particularly the history of this region. And I thought you would appreciate the fact that we have Michelle Hearn with us in this first hour now. If you are not familiar, she is the curator, senior curator at Museum of Florida History and is in fact making presentation later this morning at the Havana Shade Tobacco Museum, Havana History and Shade Tobacco Museum officially. Uh, with regard to this fascinating topic, the highwaymen, the highwaymen and their Florida landscape art um, Michelle is expert in this particular topic as she is on much of Florida's history. Uh, and so if you're um, wanting to better understand where Florida is in the history of the world, and certainly in the history of this country and this region, man, you'd, you'd do yourself a big favor if you make it out there to, to, the, to this event this morning. It's a free admission uh, Shade Tobacco Museum is out there uh, in what is referred to as the Planters Exchange Complex out there in Havana, two, 204 Northwest 1st Street, Havana. Michelle Hearn, she is. Marvelous person, I have to tell you, getting to know her firsthand. And uh, this, this whole topic, uh, man, it's got... <laughs> might say it has legs because it just has so many implications about social cultural history of 
the United States, this region, this state, and certainly our North Florida history, and this business of Gadsden County and the growing of shade tobacco, the significance of that enterprise economically for Gadsden County, for the region, Wow. And and its demise led to the disenfranchisement of an entire population of workers and growers. Yeah. Um, helps us better appreciate then where we are now, I think. And uh, those transitions that have occurred economically and socially. Uh, you, you will enjoy this conversation with her. I promise you, you want to stay tuned for that. It happens that as we continue in our interest with finding out better who we are, why we're here, what we're worth, um, these kinds of topics, man, they open up all kinds of intellectual opportunities for us, um, you know, pathways in our thinking. And I hope for you and I both that it encourages more discussion um, not just about our own personal interests, but, you know, what's going on with your neighbors to the north, south, east, west? What's going on with this community, with Tallahassee? Yeah, we've got to get plugged in, buddy. We've got to stay plugged in. We've got to stay aware. You know, that was Tom Flanagan's admonition to, to all of us, uh, having him with us the last two weeks. If you're a longtime listener, you know that uh, we presented the first uh, airing of that year-in-review show on uh, the Saturday of New Year's Eve weekend, right? And then um, chose to uh, repeat that, replay that entire broadcast last Saturday. Glad we did. So many of you came back uh, at that juncture with great appreciation for having that opportunity to review you know, all the, the many ways in which 2023 brought us, uh, let's just say kindly, challenges to our thinking and to our way of doing business and certainly the business of the city and county at, at hand. And so we had David O'Keefe there. But then the larger frame, the larger concern of economic development and with Bill Lixon heading up this uh, North Florida Innovation Labs out there, Innovation Park. Man, I'll tell you what, uh, here we are, 2024, front and center. Lots of ways in which we can uh, move the needle, I think, for so many people in this community. Uh, Housing, uh, employment, education, social services, recreation, entertainment, man, on and on and on. Um, we have, for our part, been able to bring you people like Michelle Hearn. So I promised you that uh, our show today is really a, a deep dive here into our own history and maybe a cultural review of some kind. But this Katie Hill, for her part, is uh, <laughs> she's the real deal. Um, Ken, uh, she's part of the Kenny Hill Band. Uh, I think that is her her dad, and uh, her dad and mom will be with her in the second hour. We're going to have them perform for you live here on set 
in studio and um, studied six years with master fiddler in Florida Folk Heritage Award recipient Jane Scott. Aha. She is uh, Florida Fiddlers Association State Fiddle Champ for 2023. How about that? And I mentioned that she's part of her father's Kenny Hill Band. She's played at the Historic Station Inn in Nashville's Gulch District this past November. Man. Uh, So, Katie Hill with us, performing in in the second hour of today's show. Um, At the same time, I want to underscore the opportunity for us to uh, hear from you. Uh, We've got a lot of people lined up already. We're always interested in hearing from you as our listeners with suggestions, topics of concern, and guests that you'd like us to invite to be on the show. Simple enough, if you will send us an email, topics at moosemagnificat.com. Remember that Moose Magnificat is our home station for the Tallahassee Talks broadcast, airing every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock on Moose And then we do a repeat airing on Sunday afternoons, 3 o'clock, and on Wednesday afternoons at 5.30. So plenty of moose for you there. (laughs) Plenty of opportunities for Tallahassee Talks to make its way into your hearing. Um, Oh, you can go to the website, TallahasseeTalks.com. You can always listen there from the archived edition of every broadcast that we bring you. Um, much of our now 13-year history is is uh, within the ranks of that archived collection. So there you go. Here's an announcement from City of Tallahassee regarding spring sports registration, now open. So they're continuing to reach out to you, offering Recreation League baseball, players f- ages 4 to 19, a competitive league baseball for ages 7 to 12. Tryouts are required, uh, so you want to do that. Um, So you want to not delay too much longer. Uh, Registration is currently open, and deadlines close as early as the 15th of this month. That's just like this coming Monday. Is that right? I think think that's right. Anyway, folks, uh, make sure you check it out online. You can go to... uh, Tallahassee, where, where do you go to? Talgov.com slash parks. The Highwaymen and their Florida landscape art will be presented at an upcoming event, Havana's Shade Tobacco Museum, featuring senior curator at the Museum of Florida History, Michelle Hearn. Now, this is going to happen today, Saturday the 13th, begins this morning at 10.30. We're going to take the moment here to give you a preview of what to expect. If you're able to make it out that way, we certainly hope you will. Uh, and so we have the opportunity to welcome to our studios, Michelle Hearn. Thank Hi, Michelle. You. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. <laughs> a pleasure having you. And folks, just in the few minutes we've been chatting here before we went on air, uh is it is it uh, overstating the case here to say that you certainly know your stuff 
and you love this. You love the work you do. That's the first impression I get. And you hail from Arkansas originally. Tell us a little bit about your personal history there, how you got down to Tallahassee. Okay. I am from Northwest Arkansas, and I went to school there in Fayetteville at the University of Arkansas, and I majored in anthropology and classical studies. And then I went to NYU, which was quite different than Arkansas. (laughs) Just a bit. Yeah. And I studied, I got a certificate in culture, media, and history, Ah. which is an interdisciplinary program between cinema, film, and visual anthropology. And it's about how we portray people who are different than us. Interesting stuff. And the ethics involved. And then I went back to Arkansas and worked at the Shiloh Museum of Ozark History. And then I moved to Tallahassee. And I've been working at the Museum of Florida History for just over 12 years. Look at that. Yeah, it's fabulous. And how does Tallahassee compare with your hometown, let's say? Uh, it's interesting. It's a little bit smaller area. Um, in northwest Arkansas, there's about uh, 250, 300,000 people. Huh. So it's a, Tallahassee is a little bit smaller, but Tallahassee is a capital city, and they're both uh, college towns. Yeah, so they yeah. have a, quite a bit of similarities, really. Characteristics there. Uh, in that respect we find ourselves oftentimes talking to folks who are transplants uh we had uh tom flanagan with us recently he pointed out that uh for the first time in its history i believe city proper has more residents that were not born here Uh, so that's saying something because when i got here you know 78 everybody was so eager to tell me that their family went back nine generations and this was a big deal and i think for those families it's certainly continues that way but we have all of these uh, folks who have come from other parts of the country other parts of the world uh seems like in in the 12 years you've been here have you seen the same thing that there seems to be more what would you say diversity of thought and people coming from different backgrounds uh, well, Florida is definitely a diverse place. When I was little, my parent, my grandparents lived in Treasure Island uh, as, and the Tampa Bay area. So I've been going down there for quite a while. And everybody down there was from someplace else, obviously. You know, uh, Bob Graham said Florida was everybody's mistress uh, and their <laughs> wife was their state they came from. Uh, but I think that's why teaching our history is so important so because you know if you don't know where you live you don't know who you are so Uh, when people move uh, here i think it's really important that they learn about florida's magnificent history and tallahassee as the capital of florida has one of the longest most important pivotal roles in that and i just think uh, it's so important you know florida has um for the geographical area it has the longest recorded history of any state so it's just people really don't incredible uh, really don't understand the breadth and the the length of Florida history and how complex it is being right here in the Caribbean and yeah. in the South and on the Atlantic coast. All of that intersection. It's amazing it intersection. You, what did you say? If you don't know where you're from, you don't know who you are. Yeah, somebody said that. There's somebody else is saying, but yeah. I like that. Yeah, and I I abide with that thinking. You got to know, you know what you what you come from, what you belong to, who your peeps are. Yeah, and what your community is about and Uh, the people who built it up before you. In that regard, we have this remarkable event that's happening today as we speak, uh, the Highwaymen. Tell us about the Highwaymen and the Florida landscape art. So the Florida Highwaymen 
uh, were um, these they they were really from the rural agricultural area of Fort Pierce and Gifford on the Atlantic coast. Now they're kind of built up, but back then in the 50s, they were really rural agriculture areas. They're like, and the job opportunities they had were like picking tomatoes, picking oranges, working in packing plants, wow. you know, for very little money. Wow. And it, you know, we're talking about Jim Crow times. Yeah. People were segregated. They went to the um, African American kids in Fort Pierce, went to the Lincoln Academy, an all black school. Wow. And then they went to work in the agricultural groves for the most part. Those were their opportunities. But then we have a couple young men who were, one of whom was, uh, well, two of whom uh, were influenced by Bean Backus. Huh. And uh, Bean Backus was this liberal white man who had grown up in Fort Pierce. Um, his family had come down here, they wanted to be pineapple farmers but they didn't know anything about growing pineapples but his dad <laughs> ended up uh building ships being a ship builder a boat builder and so uh Bacchus grew up in this area and he loved to draw he was kind of he got sick sometimes so he his mom brought him some paint so he would sit at home and he would draw and his uncle reggie uh sent him to parsons school of design in new york city for two summers wow. in 24 and 25 so he he really became like this nationally recognized landscape artist in fort pierce 1924 1925 he went to parsons wow and, and you said lincoln academy uh, in Fort Pierce? That that was the all-black school. I see, I see. So um, one of the guys had grown up, one of the future highwaymen, Harold Newton, he's kind of considered the original guy. Okay. He uh, was born in Gifford, but he grew up in Tifton, Georgia, and he had set 16 siblings. Uh. His Him and his dad, they were, you know, uh, sharecroppers, basically mm-hmm. worked in tobacco fields the mm-hmm. cotton fields you know pretty hard labor and he quit school pretty early to help support his siblings mm-hmm. and his own children mm-hmm. and he supplemented this income by drawing these religious paintings like jesus paintings on black velvet and selling them out of his car well so he moves back to gifford and he uh ends up at back back door and he watches him paint a painting for a couple hours and he goes home and he creates that same painting and brings it back to Bacchus and shows it to him. And that's how gifted the guy was. He could just Goodness. watch somebody paint something and kind of reproduce it. <laughs> now, one of the things Bacchus learned at the, uh, in New York was how to paint with a palette knife. Okay. And, 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 and he taught Harold to do this. And they would take this paint and apply it directly to the canvas with a palette knife. And they create this really thick paint. Yeah, yeah, it's called a pasta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he learned that from Bacchus. So Harold Newton, so this became a major technique of the highwaymen, the, the um, palette knife okay. and selling out of cars. Okay. So he kind of was one of the first to do that. Now, there was another big influence, Zenobia Jefferson. She was a high school teacher at Lincoln Academy. And she went to a Fisk, uh, a historically black college and university in Nashville. They're very proud of her today. They have a whole biography page on their website Golly. talking about her and her influence on the highwaymen in Florida. I mean, it was a bi- it's a big deal. And she recommended one of her students, Alfred Hare, te- take lessons from Bean. And Bean, Bean Backus agreed to give him lessons. Ah. He was super talented. The name, and the, the highwaymen, where, where, does, where does that come from then? So what happened was 
uh, they made a bunch of these paintings in the 60s, 70s. Yeah. And then it kind of, their style with the postmodern period and the non-representational art, it kind of fell out of favor. Mm. And But then there was this art critic named Jim Fitch in the mid-1990s, and he kept finding all these paintings by these African-American artists from the mid-Atlantic region, and they sold their art out of their cars huh. in the highways huh. to businesses and stuff. Mm. And he's the guy. He named them the highwaymen. Interesting. And he really brought them back into the forefront. Talking with Michelle Hearn, she's the senior curator at the Museum of Florida History. We'll be back right after this. You're in tune with Tallahassee Talks. Widden Glass has been taking care of business since 1945. When you call Widden Glass, you're dealing with experienced, reliable professionals who offer only the best. Like Widden's top of the line bath enclosures that provide style and luxury at an affordable price. Eye catching storefronts are a specialty at Widden Glass. We'll help you design it and install it. Widden Glass, the first name in glass replacement. Call 222-5781. Hi, I'm Josh, and this is an ad for Super Signs. We were going to do an ad that was funny or maybe really dramatic. You know, something clever. But that just didn't work. So... I'm just going to tell you, Super Signs is great. I mean, they're really great. And it's not just me saying it. Lots of people posting and talking to their friends. Here's one. We are so happy with all our signs and banners by Super Signs. Highly recommend. Here's another. These guys are awesome. They run their business with great quality and service. Our lighted sign looks fantastic. I can't rave enough. Super Signs does the really big stuff, like outdoor lighted signs, vehicle wraps, wall murals, and all the banners, the yard signs, and indoor signs, too. So for your business or your birthday party, Super Signs is your sign company. So that's it. That's our ad. Super Signs is great. I mean, really, really, really great. You should call them, 422-1883, or go to their website, yoursupersigns.com. How's that for clever? We're back, and we're talking with Michelle Hearn, who, in just a matter of a few minutes, has brought us a massive amount of detail and understanding and information about not only the Highwaymen for its history, uh, this group of 26 African-American artists who back in the 50s began pr- producing these remarkable agri- agriculturally oriented uh, paintings, uh, particularly using the palette knife as their yeah, they, they modus do. operandi. Yeah. yeah, they're chosen. Yeah, so Bacchus... It's when he was a kind of an impressionist. Ah. Like his favorite artist was Claude Monet. There you go. And so he's like, him and the Highwaymen are kind of Florida impressionists. They kind Look of adapted that. that style to Florida. And Florida has, you know, this intense bright sunlight and these intense colors. colors They're really challenging. Landscapes are remarkable. Remarkable. Yes. And so, you know, these intense tropical flowers all these different shades of green our crystal sunlight beaches and water it's challenging to artists and the highwaymen to try to capture to capture that any of that any of it and the highwaymen really they wanted to paint fast so they could make money they would sell these paintings i mean now they're worth way more but they would say they painted between in their heyday they painted between 50 200,000 paintings Seriously. A lot of paintings. And they sold them. You know, Florida was booming after World War II, so they sold them to hotels, uh. to, to 
to a lot of white people who were lower middle class and middle mm. class who could not afford mm. to buy art and art galleries. So they really made these connections. Yes. And the Florida Highwaymen, um, they sort of took the landscape and impressionism, they took it further. They sort of reduced it to these really bright, bold, intense colors. And they kind of took, hmm. simplified the elements. Like they'd have a, a splash of paint for the sky and they'd have some, you know, really roughed in grass called fast grass. And they'd have like these dark outlines of trees and elements and. Uh, Quite distinctive then. It's very distinctive You, you can't and look bold. at that and not know. If you know the work. Yes, you, go, you will ah, know there, it. There's an example right there. Yes, Absolutely. And and they huh. paint. They made so many paintings in the fifties and sixties. They actually influenced how other people outside of Florida viewed our state because they sold so many to tourists. <laughs> and it's just like had a big impression on how people viewed Florida. Which again, in in terms of your earlier comments, at that period of time, uh, let's talk about turn of the century, right? Early early nineteen hundreds and such into the fifties sixties when they were in their heyday transforming the mentality we'll say the attitudes about florida and all of a sudden making more and more discovery um begs the question for me as to whether walt disney was influenced in that regard it is interesting because i you know that's definitely pre-disney period they predate disney for sure no doubt and if he got wind of some of that happening being the entrepreneurial enterprising person he was you know, remind me of a funny story. Though. Tell me. Okay, this is a Disney story. Uh, but uh, my understanding is that uh, his brother, Roy, called first called Ed Ball. Yes. He called Ed Ball and he wanted to put Disney in Wakulla Springs. Uh, and Ed Ball wouldn't take the call because he said they didn't, uh, they didn't work with carnival people. Uh, <laughs> In the main, most of us would go, yeah, no, Kissimmee's a better spot. <laughs> yeah. Would we even have Wakulla Springs? Yeah, exactly. At the, or in, in any, you know, think about that. The St. Mark's wildlife area, all that sort of stuff could be a parking lot at this point. For no, yeah, for it all, could be. For, but in any case, a, a, fu- a funny story. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny story. Yeah, not taking that call. We don't work with carnival people. I love that. <laughs> um, th- this is the kind of detail that, must really make your day. I mean, you you are not just a storyteller. You're digging into those softer little places where you, you kind of call the call out the the nuance, right? Yeah, of, I love those stories. You know, huh. I've been here twelve years drinking Florida history from my fire hose. There's so much of it, and uh, uh, the stories are important, though. That's how we learn history from Indeed. listening to people's stories. Indeed, and that's how other, we teach history because that's how people really remember things yeah. when we tell them the stories. Yeah. yeah, well, and here comes the history of Gadsden County, uh, which, in my rough understanding, and I need your help here. Uh, the tobacco industry was formidable. Definitely. And cigar making was big time industry. Um, and this idea of a shade tobacco that provided a wrapper in Absolutely. the construction of the cigar 
man, the, they were turning it out and people making skadoodles of money. Super interesting. Yeah. Um, so they made a lot of money while it was in vogue, and they uh, they had they had very interesting way they. Uh, Broke up the labor over time by age and different things. So it was, huh. it was it's an interesting thing because it's sort of a monoculture, sort of a very unique culture that de- developed with the shea tobacco huh. industry in Gadsden County. Huh. Uh, I went a few years ago. They have their this wonderful uh, cigar festival that I went to, and it was fascinating because they had three different panels, and one of the panels was the local growers who owned the land and had uh, you know people who worked for them, living on the land with them. And that was super interesting. Then they had a whole panel of people who worked, Mm. these laborers. So they had a whole panel of laborers. And then they had these international people Mm. at this way up high level, you know, who uh, owned the companies and worked in Sumatra and Cuba and had this sort of international viewpoint. It was just an amazing festival because it went through all those different levels of the industry and and why each of these groups then, right, these three different mm-hmm. groups, had an interest in the production of the tobacco, the growing of and harvesting of the tobacco. Yeah. They all benefited in their own way. Right. Um, the international aspects of that are significant because my understanding here again, I guess, what, early to mid-60s, the industry really Close took down. a hit. Yeah, it took a hit. Why? What happened? Yeah, so I wish that I do not know. I, I can't quite remember. I know it took an early hit, the cigar industry did, because the, the cigarettes became popular. Ah. And so, so cigar, and then... Okay. Um, Just fewer sm- cigar smokers. Yeah. Cigar, cigarettes, so it's a marketing issue there. It's a marketing yeah. issue, yes. And p- I know they also grew... So this is a very specific type of wrapper they grow. Yes, yes. And they also grew that particular wrapper in Connecticut as well. Yeah, there's one county up there. Yeah, so right. and so the, some of the workers, I think, went up there. They would travel up there okay. to work up there, okay. too. Okay, okay. So with... The, and here again, my faint understanding is that the cigar industry, we'll just say roughly figured out how to make a a wrapper without that shade tobacco leaf. Oh, they had a composite. Well, this is again. um, So it's interesting. They could grind up tobacco and then press it to make it into a wrapper. So that may have been a big factor there too. Just again, demand for the the raw material, raw product. It's interesting now because they're sort of. A specialty industry mm. in Tampa now, mm. so they are still making hand rolled cigars in Tampa, right? But they're very expensive. Very expensive, right? That might also be a part of this too. Is the price point? You know, if 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 you're you and I are in the business of producing a wrapper leaf from shade tobacco, but our competitors are able to bring it in at a price considerably less. Yeah, that's that's tough to compete with. Folks, we've got Michelle Hearn and uh, learning with her kindness and her expertise all about uh, this remarkable history of the highwaymen uh, as artists, uh, visual artists, painters, uh, and the upcoming uh, presentation today, if you haven't already made note of this, happening at Havana's 
Shade Tobacco Museum, and that is happening uh, out there in Havana. Uh, begins at 10.30 this morning. So, folks, if you can make it uh, happen, go out there and uh, get to meet Michelle firsthand. She's got a great presentation coming up. Folks, I've got one more opportunity here with this beautiful person, so stay with me. You're in tune with Tallahassee Talks. We'll be right back. Folks, there are four ways to shine in life, and Merry Maids has it all going on. Experience, reliability, thoroughness, and professionalism. Well, that's why we rely on Merry Maids right here at our studios, because, you know, I do need a little shine from time to time. And my friends at Merry Maids can make it happen with guaranteed satisfaction, screened and trained employees, bonded and insured performance, even a free consultation. Merry Maids can customize cleanings to fit most budgets and fit your busy schedule with cleanings on a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, or an on-call basis. Merry Maids will deep clean your home on that first visit, something that you've probably been wanting to do, but you don't have to. Call Merry Maids. Relax and it's clean. Right here in Tallahassee, call 386-2205 or find them online at merrymaids.com. That's 386-2205. We're back. We're talking with Michelle Hearn. Uh, trying to get a better sense of this thing you said earlier, knowing who we are by knowing where we've come from or what we belong to, maybe another way of putting that. Um, and here comes here comes this group designated the Highwaymen. Uh, what did you say? Nobody told them they couldn't do it. Yeah, nobody told them they couldn't do it. So maybe that's why they did it. It's like a lack of limited, you know, they didn't have the limited thinking. Because uh. it's amazing what they did. I mean, they were supposed to be making, you know, pittance wages, just pennies on the dollar a day. And a picking tomatoes or picking whatever. Picking tomatoes, packing stuff. And they started selling these paintings. And they weren't allowed in art galleries, but they would go up, I mean, into segregated businesses, banks, and on, set up on the side of the highway and sell to all kinds of people. And they would make $30 paintings. So all of a sudden, they're making hundreds of dollars a day instead of a few dollars a day. And huh. it really takes off. With that, is, is there an understanding of where that wealth uh, did were, did those families and those people then accumulate any of that? What, did they find themselves in a better position? Certainly some of them have. So in the 90s, yeah. we have a, a resurgence of huh. highwaymen art. And they've become more popular, huh. and they're selling for higher prices. So certainly, I mean, some of them have studios. Sam Newton, mm. he has still has a studio. R.L. Lewis, he taught... Uh, he has his Learn to Paint DVD series taught people all over the state. Um, James wow. Gibson, he, he sold paintings to Steven Spielberg, Jeb Bush, Gladys Knight. I mean, he made a living. He he never stopped painting. He, every, when, from the time he learned till his death a few years ago, he made a living painting the whole time. And he was one of the highwaymen. And he was one of the highwaymen. Uh, yeah, so some of them didn't paint the whole time. One of my favorite artists is, is Willie Daniels, and he kind of has – his landscapes are more haunted. He has this really gnarly oak branches uh, or kind of these geometric-styled pine trees. I mean, they're haunted landscapes. He's one of my favorites. But he uh, he stopped painting when they fell out of style. He was driving as a truck driver up in Georgia when he found out that the high women were back in style. So he was he moved back to Florida and started making paintings again. It was wonderful. Cool. Yeah. 
very cool. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You have any of these paintings in your possession? I have a couple of small Willie Daniels paintings because yeah. he's my absolute favorite. Uh, 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 I do want to say the museum has two sets of of two full sets of Florida High Women paintings. We have the first set that are uh, the the friends of the Museum of Florida History Board okay. uh, collected beginning in 2003, and they bought these paintings directly from highwaymen okay. themselves, okay. sometimes out of, out of the trunks of their cars in true tradition. <laughs> and that took from 2003 to 2012 to complete the collection, and then we created a catalog about it. Goodness. But more recently, we... Mr. Ron Rosner, he's from Orlando, Florida, and he created um, th- his collection of landscapes to show how diverse Florida's um, environment is. Like we have caves, we have rocky beaches, we have prairies, we have all these different types of forests. So he re- that was the point of his collection. So he, he had all these people, and he also did a subset of Florida Artist Hall of Fame, which the highwaymen are. So he donated a second set. He donated his whole collection to the museum in wow. a second set of the highwaymen. And so all of these collections you can see online. At the Museum of Florida History, under the collection, you can see the original highwaymen collection. They're all available there. And you can also see the 180 Ron Reisner paintings, which include highwaymen paintings. Okay, let's make note of that, the Florida History Museum a website. Yeah, the Museum of Florida History website. It's museumoffloridahistory.com. Museum yeah. Say it again. Museumoffloridahistory.com. Okay. The museum has embraced so many different aspects of our history economically, culturally, environmentally, uh, environmentally all of this mm-hmm. being presented for our good. Um, and we shouldn't go too much further without mentioning the Union Bank. Oh, let's do that. Let's talk I was so excited. Yeah. Oh, so the on? Union Bank, it was chartered by the Florida Territorial Legislature in 1833. The building was completed in 1841. Uh. And that building survived a fire in 1843. It survived the, fina- the f- collapse, the financial collapse of the bank in 1843, a few years after the building was finished. Uh, it survived Seminole attacks. It survived a hurricane. <laughs> it survived uh, a long period of neglect. I mean, that building is 181 years old. Indeed. And it is only here because the people of Tallahassee and Florida decided they were going to save it. Mm. And they were going to preserve this bank in our shared history. It was, it was, you know, it was a, it was a bank. It was a planner's bank. And it was founded just to fund the. Uh, spread of plantation agriculture mm. and to build uh, ports and railroads and uh, create this plantation economy. And it failed in 1843, and then it became, during Reconstruction, a Freedmen's Bank, which is really amazing. It's the finest li- built bank building <laughs> in the state, became the Freedmen's Bank. So it's kind of amazing uh, turnaround there. But it sat in downtown ha- Tallahassee for almost 200 years. Goodness. And during that time, it has had all these different businesses in it. Women-owned businesses, black-owned businesses. It's just when you look that at the occu- history... occupied the building Occupied itself. the building. So if you just look at the building, which is what we've done for this exhibit, it shows the amazing diversity and community of the city of Tallahassee. So the exhibit covers 181 years. Wow. And, and, and it, it it was on this, uh, it used to be on the corner of Adams Street and yes. Park, and it it was on uh, land that belonged to the First Baptist Church, and they wanted to build a parking lot. Okay. The columns was there, too. 
Oh. And they're like, okay, well, we'll let y'all have these buildings if you move them. Otherwise, we're going to tear them down. <gasps> so the Tallahassee Chamber of Commerce stepped in and saved the columns and moved it to Park and Duval, where it is today. Yes. But the bank was still in jeopardy, and this lady named Cora Morris started a campaign, and they raised $9,000 to move it to the corner where it is now. On uh, like It's on Calhoun Street, but it's off the Appalachian Parkway right. across from the store Capitol. Right on the corner there. Calhoun in the parkway. Yeah. And then it sat there for like another 10 years kind of crumbling. People were mad. Uh, the legislature was like, you know, why did you put this eyesore right here? And they put $10,000 in the budget to tear it down. And Bob Graham vetoed this. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, well, well, we will give $150,000 <laughs> if you can match it. And they did. And they saved the building. And, and the, it's and beautiful. It's a beautiful building. And the Division of Historical Resources just last year uh, refreshed the building again. They put in new wooden columns, new paint job. Um, well, this is a big deal for us because during that time, speaking of reconstruction, uh, the bank itself, the building itself, was then being refurbished, yes. right? Uh, and brought back to its once uh, grand uh, stature. Yeah. And now it's open to the public once again. It's going to be open. Well, we're having our opening reception for the public on February 10th. Okay. And then beginning on February 15th, we're going to have regular hours for the public, Thursday through Saturday oh, from cool. 10 to 4. And we're really excited. And this is kind of one of our main uh, nods to what Tallahassee. What a great Valentine's gift for yeah, Tallahassee. <laughs> I, I curated the exhibit and I worked with Dr. Merle Dawson uh, uh, from FAMU, our partners at uh, FAMU and the cool. Meek Eton Black Archives. And they have been our partners throughout all of that. this. And we're very excited to have worked together. Now that's a curious connection too that the Meek Eaton Archives Museum would would have interest in this building. Well, they ran the building from about 1995 until the building uh, needed to be repaired again. Okay. Now, so the museum took over the building in 1984. In 1995, uh, Mickey Tom was being expanded. I see. And they needed a base of operations. I and see. Uh, because of its history as a Freedmen's Bank, really, Leroy Collins had suggested that a decade earlier in the mid-'80s when they were trying to save the bank, and they were coming up with things it could be used for. And Leroy Collins himself had suggested that they use it for the Black Archives because of its history there. And that ended up happening in 1995. And then they had a bunch of programs there. (sighs) So we worked on this together with them. I can see how wonderfully that illustrates your initial comments here that we better know who we are by where we've come from and what a great example of a collaboration yeah and that's what dr dawson said uh that this this exhibit is shows how we've all been here together all this time time. working together and creating our community together for this whole time yeah Here's to 2024, a year of greater embrace of who we are and why we're here. Michelle Hearn, our Yay. guest, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having what me. A, what a wonderful mind and a wonderful heart you have for this. Again, folks, the Highwaymen on display up there at the Havana Shade Tobacco Museum, uh, Havana History Museum. It's, uh, it's, it's a great opportunity for us to get better in touch with all of this history. We'll have to have you come back. Yeah, I'd love to come back. Thank All you right. for having us. All right. Folks, that's what I've got for you here at the moment. You stay with me. We've got more Tallahassee Talks coming up at the top of the hour.
Witten Glass has been taking care of families since 1945. Experienced, reliable professionals who offer only the best, like Witten's top-of-the-line bath enclosures. Eye-catching storefronts are a specialty at Witten Glass, and they provide precise installation. Witten Glass, Tallahassee's first family in glass. Online at wittenglass.com. Call 850-222-5781. Welcome back to the second hour. Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny at your service in this new year as we celebrate the coming of 2024 for this town of ours that we uh, we treasure so much. Lots of promising opportunities. And so it is on this occasion we're taking a bit of a look back, I suppose, to some of our history, some of our roots when with uh, Michelle Hearn with us in the first hour, a uh, delightful guest there, someone who's quite knowledgeable, clearly, and somebody who cares a great deal about us and our history as a state and uh, as a region, as a community. So lots of good uh, information and some inf- interesting factoids regarding these uh, remarkable artists of history highwaymen they are and um, the highwaymen uh, exhibit in fact if you go to the museum of florida history there you'll find this wonderful collection of i think close to a hundred or so of these works from days gone by so i encourage you to do that and can encourage you to stay with us in this hour we have another chapter we'll say in this whole uh thematic effort to bring back to our attention some of our cultural and even economic uh, understanding, our our history. And if you have that conversation with anybody, uh, of uh, with any seriousness, you, you're going to start talking about country music and particularly bluegrass. And so it is that we've got Katie Hill and company, Brian and Jennifer Hill, in studio performing for you live here at Moose Magnificat Radio, uh, our host station. Uh, These folks, man alive, Hate, hate to lean on the, the phrase too often, but they are the real deal. And if you want to know, in fact, you get down to it, you have the people who uh, not only create the music, but they, they understand it. You know, they, they, they live and breathe it. And so Brian Hill alone has this pretty extensive music career, 30-plus years playing in and around the Tallahassee area, the North Florida area, lots of festivals and, you know, places here and there. And and with the arrival of their daughter, Jennifer and Brian, bring us their daughter, Katie, who, uh, by the way, just turns out to be the 2023 champ, (laughs) the fiddler, uh, fiddle champ for... uh, uh, you know, for 2023, but for f- among a notable number of contestants in that regard. Uh, 
We're going to get into that in greater detail. But it happens that it gives me opportunity to say to us, you know, when we think about what we are, and we've preached on this consistently for a number of years, thinking about who we are. Remember that uh, uh, Michelle was saying, we don't really know who we are until we know where we've come from. I think that's a fair statement. And I may be uh, paraphrasing there, but point being, uh, why is that so critical? Why why is it that we, as an individual, as individuals, or as a community, uh, find it necessary to dig deep on that? And it and it certainly isn't a succinct answer. You know, it's it's not a it's not written down in a in a single phrase. Um, no, it's it's all about exploration. You know, you spend your whole life asking, "Who am I?" and uh, Quite appropriately, it's what we do. It's what human beings do. You know, dogs, cats, birds, squirrels—not so much. <laughs> they they seem to know very clearly what their role is, and they do it well. If just left alone, in many cases, just let them be. Um, you know, but it but it happens that for us, for you and I, and for the communities that we form and are a part of. Uh, this quest to better appreciate what makes us unique, what makes us different. Uh, certainly the work that the highwaymen b- brought a generation ago to, in their artistic endeavors was a great reveal uh, as to who they were and the, even more so who we are now as we look back through the the pages, right? We look back at those times when segregation, uh, Jim Crow laws, uh, hard field labor uh, was a reality for a lot of Americans. And so it is in the context of our quest for identity, we take a look at what bluegrass brings to us as a style, as a genre, but more so as an approach, a sort of answer to this is who we are. This is what we come from. And you hear it in the manner in which the music, um, in some respects, is quite simple, uh, I guess, I would say, musically speaking. It's, you know, it's not real complicated. Um, and it's very easy to access intellectually, very easy to, uh, to ascertain what's going on here. Uh, so it happens that is part of the characteristics of what is, for the most part, uh, an agrarian economy, an agricultural region, uh, people that took ideas from their own history, whether Irish, or Welsh, or English, Spanish, German, and those uh, cultural uh, indications of their own history then become part of our history. Right, and so what we find in in this presentation now is this opportunity for us to say, okay, this is what we come from. This is what we belong to. This is what informed this people that we are a generation or maybe several generations ago. What does it say to us about who we are now? Because there's plenty of that influence in all of the conversations we have about the new Tallahassee, and are we are we interested in um, moving away from what is a sort of 
simple or maybe less less complicated would be a better way of putting that, uh, but a less comp- complicated way of understanding what's really important. You know, we talk a lot here about the allocation of resources big time. Um, and so with that, Tallahassee's got to decide, you know, what are we going to spend our money on? Who are we going to invest in? Um, where are we going to put the people who are going to do the work? How are they going to do that work? And what is that good? Remember our, our mantra here, finding the greatest good for the greatest number of people over the greatest period of time. Well, what is that greatest good? Well, when you listen to bluegrass music, when you get to talk with the people who make that happen, make bluegrass what it is, or blues or jazz, but in this case, something that's really um, endemic, something that is rooted here, clearly, you find that there's a very simple approach to those questions. You know, what do people need? Is family really that important? Is appreciation of the simplicities of life really that important? Are we rather interested in a more uh, complicated, uh, maybe more sophisticated approach to the way we do things? You know, simple conversations about the simplest things in life that matter most to the greatest number of people, that matter most to most of us. Well, that's what we're doing here today. As we take another look at what is Tallahassee and what is she worth and why is she here? That's what we're doing. And it's all called Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny. Stay with me. Widden Glass has been taking care of business since 1945. When you call Widden Glass, you're dealing with experienced, reliable professionals who offer only the best. Like Widden's top-of-the-line bath enclosures that provide style and luxury at an affordable price. Eye-catching storefronts are a specialty at Widden Glass. We'll help you design it and install it. Widden Glass, the first name in glass replacement. Call 222-5781. Hi, I'm Josh, and this is an ad for Super Signs. We were going to do an ad that was funny or maybe really dramatic. You know, something clever. But that just didn't work. So... I'm just going to tell you, Super Signs is great. I mean, they're really great. And it's not just me saying it. Lots of people posting and talking to their friends. Here's one. We are so happy with all our signs and banners by Super Signs. Highly recommend. Here's another. These guys are awesome. They run their business with great quality and service. Our lighted sign looks fantastic. I can't rave enough. Super Signs does the really big stuff, like outdoor lighted signs, vehicle wraps, wall murals, and all the banners, the yard signs, and indoor signs, too. So for your business or your birthday party, Super Signs is your sign company. So that's it. That's our ad. Super Signs is great. I mean, really, really, really great. You should call them, 422-1883, or go to their website, yoursupersigns.com. How's that for clever?
The music of Katie Hill, bringing to you the song entitled Katie Hill. But let me introduce to you this remarkably talented 15-year-old fiddle player. Katie Hill began playing music in the first grade with her parents being in a band and her father providing sound for many music festivals and events. Katie has had this presented to her from her birth, been in and around bluegrass music and musical performances all them many years, Um, found herself very much interested in riding the Mason's music bus. And then once a week, she worked with classical violin teacher Jared, taught her basic techniques, how to read music, etc. Through her life and through her musical interests, private lessons with Mickey Abraham, uh, joined his youth musical performance group, the Acoustic Ensemble. This just goes on. Um, I think you get the point that what we have here in our studio today is the Katie Hill. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm all right. For 68 years old and kind of cranky and overweight, I'm fine. <laughs> but I wish I were you because you are amazing. Um, and you've brought with you a couple of your friends, right? Yes. Your dad mm-hmm. and your mom, who themselves are remarkable musicians. Um, let's welcome Brian Hill. Hey, Brian. Hello. How are you, Brian? That'll be easy to remember. One of the few things I can do. And Jennifer, the lovely Jennifer Hill. Yes, yes. Happy to be here. And how much loveliness you have poured into your offspring here. What a great family you are. And you're not alone. You have siblings. And you're the baby. You're the youngest. Yes. Spoiled little thing that you are. But it's okay because you're beautiful and we love you. So that's great. Um, more, More of this kind of stuff. Continue to take lessons from the aforementioned Mickey Abraham um, using FaceTime. That's cool. But you're also a soccer player. Yes. How does that work? Very, ooh, the timing has to work out perfect, you know, for the jobs we play and all that. But I think it works fine for me. Yeah. So, so did you develop your interest in soccer in school like when you were in middle school when did that start when I was little I always played sports through Hmm. elementary and before that daddy had me out playing soccer and softball you know why because he's lonely and he wanted somebody to play with (laughs) him he he coached me in my soccer and (laughs) He doesn't know how to play soccer. And he coached me in softball, and he's a good softball coach. Oh, oh there you go. But um, I mainly play soccer now, and I, I enjoy it very much. And I think I, it's kind of hard sometimes to balance between playing the jobs and the violin and practicing yeah. and um, playing soccer and the games. But I think I can I handle it well. You, you know? do, huh? You know what I think? I think that's a great precursor to the rest of your life. Because what happens with people like you and your dad and your mom, when you have multiple interests and you have a lot of talent in all those different areas, man, you got all that going on. 
your parents will remember the days when we used to watch something called the Ed Sullivan Show. You ever heard that? And the guy would come out with all of his plates, and he's spinning all these plates on stage, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. So we have, we have plate spinners here, and you, in your craftiness and your talent and your multiple interests, I think that's just, that's just kind of how it's going to roll. But we love that because we like seeing you branch out there and do the things that you like to do. It inspires the people like me to say, you know what, maybe I should do that maybe I, or do more of the things I like to do. Um, do you ever think, well, maybe I'll have to just give up playing soccer or give up playing fiddle? Not fiddle. That doesn't sound right, does it? Not, I don't know. That's so far in the future. I mean, only three or four years, but yeah. I just, I don't want to think about giving Let's not up. think about that. Yeah, good point. I don't even, I thought it was a stupid question. <laughs> um, but here we have this opening song with you playing, uh, and the song is entitled Katie Hill. How did that happen? Well... I was named after the song. The song wasn't named after me. Um, okay, fine. <laughs> it kind of set a high bar because that song is hard. And, I, you know, obviously if you're named after a song, a fiddle tune, and you play the fiddle, kind of got to learn that song. Uh, and I think I've been learning that song since I was little. But more recently, I kind of, well, okay, I just better learn it good. And I've been playing it out and stuff well you must have learned it pretty good because you're like the florida fiddlers association state fiddle champ for 2023 yeah and from my hearing your dad talk about this you had a broken wrist oh yeah from soccer (laughs) from soccer Uh uh-huh see okay i guess that wasn't handling it if i had a i mean i if i had a (laughs) If I had a broken wrist, man, I'd be like sitting over in the corner crying. I wouldn't be trying to win a state championship. Well, to be fair, it was a couple weeks after, so it didn't hurt too bad. I could take off the brace. I think you're stronger than I am. That's the (laughs) point. Um, Brian, this this Kenny Hill band. Yes. Tell us about the Kenny Hill band. Well, uh, Kenny Hill started uh, approximately 17, 18 years ago. Uh, I played in a band for almost 30 years, 27 years, called Cypress Creek Band, and we kind of split up. And uh, the uh, my wife, Jennifer, and uh, my one of my best friends, Ken Baldoff, uh, we decided to kind of start playing some together. And we did, and we, we really weren't prepared to have a name for a band and so when when the someone asked the our first really uh, uh booking someone asked well what's the name of the band and we all looked at each other and we we're like I, I don't know and so it was like well is it how about ken and i call him kenny how about kenny and the hills and we'll just call it kenny hill band and so anyway that's, that's it's how stuck. it started yeah yes. but Kenny is he's an amazing musician uh, and uh, he's he actually taught at Stubbs music for many years mm. and, and now he's uh, uh, that he, says a lot yes, Stubbs is a great uh, music school he is he's very good but anyway and then my wife I think uh, we talked earlier a little bit about her picking up the bass and taking the bass and yeah uh, gotta have a bass so gotta have a bass Jennifer 
In fact, I have it on authority that it's all about the base. Is There's that right? something about that base. <laughs> it's all sure. about I'm the base. I'm saying. So we have Jennifer and Brian Hill who have brought together this opportunity for us to have Katie, their youngest. Folks, I have to say, this is great music, and it's great to have you with us. Folks, we want you to stay with us as well as we continue more Tallahassee Talks with Brian Cerny. Folks, there are four ways to shine in life, and Merry Maids has it all going on. Experience, reliability, thoroughness, and professionalism. Well, that's why we rely on Merry Maids right here at our studios, because, you know, I do need a little shine from time to time. And my friends at Merry Maids can make it happen with guaranteed satisfaction, screened and trained employees, bonded and insured performance, even a free consultation. Merry Maids can customize cleanings to fit most budgets and fit your busy schedule with cleanings on a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, or an on-call basis. Merry Maids will deep clean your home on that first visit, something that you've probably been wanting to do, but you don't have to. Call Merry Maids, relax, and it's clean. Right here in Tallahassee, call 386-2205 or find them online at merrymaids.com. That's 386-2205. Witten Glass has been taking care of families since 1945. Experienced, reliable professionals who offer only the best, like Witten's top-of-the-line bath enclosures. Eye-catching storefronts are a specialty at Witten Glass, and they provide precise installation. Witten Glass, Tallahassee's first family in glass. Online at wittenglass.com. Call 850-222-5781. We're back. We're talking with Katie Hill, Brian Hill, Jennifer Hill about the Kenny Hill Band and about this remarkable talent who we've uh, already had a bit of sampling with, Katie Hill herself, in studio with guitarist and father, not necessarily in that order, I guess, dad, and then guitarist, Brian, huh? and the bass player. And we've already established it's all about the bass. We know that. Jennifer, this story begins early, early, early on. Um, certainly because of Brian's longtime music career, particular, particularly uh, focused on country, folk, bluegrass kind of music, right? right? That's correct. And being true to your roots. Yes. Right? Native North Floridian that you are. Jennifer is back here. It feels like driving the bus. It feels like <laughs> you're the one that's like, guys, we got to be there in five minutes. I'm just asking you. I'm begging you, please. Let's go. Is that how it works? We'll just let you think that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's good. Um, but I do have a few few points here, a few data, data points that involve somebody called Jane Scott, master fiddler, who stepped into your life, Katie. Um, tell us a little bit about how all that sort of came together, I guess, some of the history, backstory. Yeah, sure. So, so Gordon and Brian go way back, back mm. to the 80s. And, mm. and, and so I'll talk about Brian, I mean, Gordon a little bit first. Mm. So, so they were in a band together, and so they've always been friends. Um, he maybe can tell you more about that. But he married a wonderful lady named Jane Scott. 
Uh, and the two of them run the music uh, store together. And I think Mickey worked there at one point and another band member of ours, too, um, Kevin Robertson. Mm. So it's a, it's a nice little place in town that's been around forever. Uh, but anyway, um, Jane is just a, a great teacher. That's her heart. She's a teacher. And so not only taught school, but teaches lessons. And we put her with um, Katie or put Katie with her uh, back in maybe it seems like it was Brian was it during the um, COVID like maybe 2020 Mm -hmm. 2021 Mm -hmm. and they just hit it off I mean just keeping that old music alive her specialty is the old time and she actually won a folk award for the state of Florida seriously many many awards you can see on her wall the number one place you know for the fiddle fiddle chant for years Mm -hmm. and years Mm -hmm. wow and these two, uh, Jane and Katie, just have a really, really special relationship. And, you know, like like Brian said earlier, like grandmother, granddaughter. And, and she just has a great teaching style that Katie really took to and has learned so many fiddle tunes and played the contra dances with, um, with Jane and hmm. just a really, really important person in Katie's life. And then we fast forward to the time when Deanie Richardson gets into the mix. Brian, that must have been pretty... Spentabulous. It was uh, it's it was amazing. Uh, we didn't really know what to expect uh, from because this is a, a again long distance FaceTime uh, relationship, and we were uh, we have our favorite fiddle players we like in in the bluegrass world, and she was one of the top on the list. And uh, I mean she's. Opry. She, yeah, she's yeah, yeah. She's like I say, played. She's played with Patty Loveless mm-hmm. and uh, uh, toured with her, and so yeah, she's 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 amazing. But we we didn't again. We didn't know what to expect, and she uh, she wound up. She just with Katie be, because of Jane. Mm. I have to say a lot of Jane. She teaches a lot like Jane, but she just with Katie. There was there was no mercy. It was just here, here. You're going to learn this tune, and 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 my wife and I were like, mm. "Oh, really? Mm. <laughs> She's going to learn that?" And she did it. She just, Katie, just said, "Okay." She's a soccer player, man. <laughs> she just yes, rose yes. to the expectation. Yeah, you know, here's the ball. There's the goal. Do it right. Isn't that how it works? What do you? What position do you play, by the way? I play goalie. See, there you go. Okay. So she's always always ready for the next move, that's the next right, challenge. That's right. Uh, we've got a little bit more music here. This is a song called Jerusalem Ridge. Tell us about this song real quick. Yeah, Jerusalem Ridge was uh, written uh, by Bill Monroe and I think uh, uh, others, but his his name's on the on the on the title of it. Uh, Kenny Baker, I think, was one of the first to play it, and it's it's really. It, it has uh, three, four parts to it as you as uh, as as you learn the length of it uh, is is pretty long. But it's it was uh, uh, I learned it on the guitar a long time ago, and it took me forever to get get all the pieces and parts down. But uh, it's uh, it's it's one it's one of those that uh, you really really need to learn it if you're a fiddle player and well, we're gonna did. we're gonna get to get a chance to listen to the memorable katie hill on this great song jerusalem ridge let's take a listen <laughs> ¶¶ 
Widden Glass has been taking care of business since 1945. When you call Widden Glass, you're dealing with experienced, reliable professionals who offer only the best. Like Widden's top-of-the-line bath enclosures that provide style and luxury at an affordable price. Eye-catching storefronts are a specialty at Widden Glass. We'll help you design it and install it. Widden Glass, the first name in glass replacement. Call 222-5781. We're back. We're talking with Katie Hill and company, Brian and Jennifer, by the last same last name. They're related. <laughs> they're family. Man, there's yes. there's it's just dripping and dripping in in mm-hmm. because it comes up out of the people and the and the lifestyle and the and the and the hard work. You know, it's often the case. I think that those of us who are city dwellers forget that we're in the middle of what is otherwise an agrarian economy. This is an agricultural region, and there are bloodstains everywhere to prove that because you've got all of the all of the history, and we're talking a couple of hundred years of, of agriculture yes. in this community and beyond. And so here comes Katie Hill in her, in her youngness and her loveliness and her talentedness and she says, I get it. I can do this. And so she picks up the fiddle. And you were what, uh, six years old yeah, when you started? Six. Yeah, right. Yeah. See, we really hate you because you're so talented. It's just, it's embarrassing. You know, people like me, I'm just sitting here flapping my lips. Well, I didn't really get a choice. Ah, now we get down to it. Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't, but now I, I love it. I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Your father just took a deep, deep breath and then let it out slowly, right? Yeah. So, well, but you know what? That happens too, doesn't it? Because you come to it as a kid, we'll say, young child, um, given given what you were presented. But you could have said somewhere along the way, yeah, it's not, not what I want to be doing. Yeah. I huh. think... Um... Yeah, at first I I just wanted to go on the bus, and yeah. um, you know I don't you know wouldn't. why I really wanted to do that, but yeah. I wanted to play the cello at first. But my dad, he said, "No, let's play something you can carry. You can carry on the bus." So he had me play the violin, the fiddle, mm. and um, I you know whatever I got stick and shake after, so I didn't really. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is fine. <laughs> And then I started I started going to I've been going to the bluegrass festival since I was little. I started going and really noticing the music and I was like mm. well and then I started playing with them and now I really enjoy bluegrass music and I go back and I think back on those memories and I was like wow I wish I would have paid more attention <laughs> to who was playing and you know what they sounded like and now I really appreciate bluegrass and what what I play and what we play and stuff, folks. Do you, 
did you hear what she just said? She's 15, and now she wishes she'd been paying more attention. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm looking at 68 years of my life and thinking, I wish I had been paying more attention. So good for you that you are way ahead of us in that enterprise, thinking about what's going on in the moment, right? That's what it's about. See, being a goalie, you can't have a, a lapse there in your focus. So you're always, always, always on, right? Mm-hmm. Try to be. Try to be. And, and so here you are pursuing this beautiful craft, this business of fiddling and by all accounts doing pretty well at that state champ that you are what's up ahead you guys got a lot of shows coming up and we're going to get one more song out of you before you go but uh what's on the calendar well we have we play usually like once or twice maybe once a month or so at the place called the blue tavern oh yeah and that's always really fun. And One of our faves. Yes, the food is really good. Very good food. And um, I really enjoy playing there. You know, a couple sets. from Better than Steak and Shake, by the way. Too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from 5 to 7 is when we play there. And it's I enjoy it. The stage is a little small, but we, we work. Make it work. Yeah. And then um, we play at Contra Dances. That's coming up and with Jane and Gordon. And it's it's hard. I mean, you just playing a song fifteen times in a row, you know, and watch these people dance. Think, I wish I could be dancing. Mm. But, <laughs> but Brian, see if you can work that out. <laughs> Give the girl a, a break. Well, Come on, man. No, 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 no. no. Work that She's way? got to stay on the fiddle. Dancing oh, will come later. Oh, we'll, we'll get okay. that. Okay, all right, fine. She and Shania. <laughs> Sheesh. All right, so go ahead. Um, and we live in Wakulla County, Crawfordville, mm-hmm. and, beautiful, um, beautiful place. Yes. Up the, up the dirt road we live by, there's a place called Oots, Oots 2, and, um, mm-hmm. we love playing there. We just recently started playing there. Um, I don't really know all of how that became, but we really enjoy playing there. The food's good. The people are really nice and, you know, our neighbors all know and come and uh, I really enjoy playing there. Seems like your priorities are in good shape. Because you've mentioned the food and the people and dancing. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, oh, yeah, I happen to be the state champion fiddle player. <laughs> big deal. Um, Oots, yeah, Oots is, is big time, man. They <laughs> they have a huge history with folks around the region. So, yeah, they're that's a, that's a hot spot. When you're performing... Is there anything about performing other than having to do a song 15 times? But is there anything about it you just don't like? Or, or is it always fun? Or how does that work? The thing I hate the most, I hate when people come up to me after or even during and, you know, oh, you're not, sm- you're not smiling. Why don't you smile? You're not smiling enough. It, it makes me so mad. I don't know. Because it's hard to play the fiddle and smile all the time. Yeah. I only smile when my daddy messes up. That's funny. That's funny. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, so Brian. Yes. You just need to mess up more often, and we get more smiles out of Katie. Well, 
I, I mess up enough. She should be smiling a lot more. <laughs> Humble that he is. She Jennifer. just has a resting fiddler face. Ah, that's what it is. It's a resting fiddler face. So come on, folks. Give her a break. Enjoy the music. And we're going to do that just now because we've got one more great song from these fine people. Katie Hill, Brian Hill, Jennifer Hill. Uh, and this one entitled uh, Lonesome Fiddle Blues. Folks, thanks for being with me uh, this week as we close out the show. Remember that we're the production of Spatterwork Media and Entertainment coming to you from the studios of Moose Magnificat, Tallahassee's only station, playing all local, all original, all the time, local musicians bringing you the sound of Tallahassee, so we call it. Carl Cerny is our executive producer, and I'll be looking for you again next week. So come on, Tallahassee. Come talk to me. Glass has been taking care of families since 1945. Experienced, reliable professionals who offer only the best, like Widden's top-of-the-line bath enclosures. 
Eye-catching storefronts are a specialty at Widden Glass, and they provide precise installation. Widden Glass, Tallahassee's first family in glass. Online at WiddenGlass.com. Call 850-222-5781. 